0: Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime.
1: What's up, STS Nation? Back to our beautiful wide shot on this lovely Tuesday. If you are watching us live, welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in true crime and a couple things. It says I'm an Emmy win- winning uh Emmy award-winning broadcast journalist, which is true, but the best guest tonight's got me uh, stomped on. She's got three of those. I'm going to introduce you to her in a moment. The reason we are a couple minutes late, and I'm actually worried, which you don't hear me saying this often, is defense attorney, Tallahassee's famed defense attorney, R. Timothy Jansen, is uh, MIA. He is missing in action and uh, very unlike him. He's always punctual. He's always on time. And I tried calling them, so I pray to God we don't have our very own true crime story here with uh, Tim Jansen, which I'm sure we don't. Uh, but that's what uh, held us up to today. And I truly hope that uh, Tim is okay. But we are uh, diving back into the Dan Markell murder case today, of course. He is the Harvard educated FSU law professor gunned down in his Tallahassee driveway back in 2014. It's been more than nine years since two hitmen uh, and a go between. Well, the two hitmen uh, obviously killed him that day, but two hitmen and a go between are already convicted of the crime and they are serving their time in prison. Uh, Charlie Adelson's trial, guess what? It starts next week after nine long years. And today, As we are speaking, more than likely, Donna and Harvey Adelson are still being grilled by uh, the FBI, and likely uh, Prosecutor Georgia Kaplan is there, and we'll ask our best guests what they think is going on. As I mentioned, uh, our Timothy Jansen, not present at the moment. Hopefully, he'll be here. Uh, He spent a bunch of years uh, in the Public Defender's Office, also as a federal prosecutor, now uh, one of the famed uh Tallahassee criminal defense attorney is one of the best uh that there is. A new face today, Julia Chene. Here she is. Uh she thought we were only an audio podcast so my apologies to her, but she is looking camera ready to me. As I mentioned, she is a three-time award recipient uh for investigative reports for that uh elusive emmy which she has again three of uh she's a legal correspondent for core tv where she covers some of the most riveting trials in the nation and uh she does phenomenal work which is why steve cohen the best booker in the tv news business reached out to her and she joins us today and then of course last but not least Lieutenant Colonel retired Carl Steinbeck, he was a nearly 30-year judge advocate for the U.S. Army Judge Advocate General Corps. He's also a combat veteran that makes him an American hero. Uh, He is also uh, owner of the Steinbeck Law Firm, and uh, he uh, does advocacy work for uh, those who served uh, our nation's defense. Uh, He also has a YouTube channel, Jury Trial Mentor, with his brother, John Steinbeck who, as I understand it, is flying somewhere around uh, Germany. And uh, I met John Steinbeck, who is a pilot um, at CrimeCon. Great guy. And uh, you never want to talk to him about what goes on in the cockpit because it's scary as hell. Uh, That's all I will tell you. Um, Quick reminder, please support, support us if you can on Patreon, on YouTube as well. If you can't do that, five stars on audio platforms goes a very long way for us. Uh, the COE is working on a giveaway. Uh, she's going to have those ready to go uh, by the end of the week. And Karm's uh, triumphant return is tomorrow night. She's coming on with me tomorrow night to discuss Suzanne and Barry Morphew. While I come to you from global headquarters, she will be in Studio 1A. And you will see where that is tomorrow night. Uh, without further ado, uh, Julia, you cover a lot of big cases. Uh, Dan Markel. Uh, and and obviously Charlie Adelson's trial coming up. Uh, how do they compare in terms of uh, you know the high profile nature and uh, what you're expecting to see?
2: You know, it feels like they're the most. This is the most complicated trial or case that I've dealt with. It may not have necessarily the high profile figures of some of the cases that we cover on Court TV, but in terms of just the twists, the terms the amount of time that it's taken for us to get here the players involved it's a convoluted story it's a convoluted case it's so tragic with this father who was killed gunned down in his driveway i mean it's up there in terms of the tragedy of it but it's also just intensely complicated
1: It sure is. I've been doing this. This was our foray into true crime. Prior to that, my dear mother, Colin and I, we were uh, talking a lot of nonsense. And then we uh, sort of stumbled on the Dan Markell case. Uh, And this is our original case. And I still have trouble deciphering and dissecting all of it. But that's why we've got uh, better minds like you and Carl on the show and hopefully Tim soon. Bonnie Lee Lopez coming to us from Chile, Vermont. Looking forward to hearing Carl Steinbeck's take on things such a brilliant voice. So, Carl, I don't need to tell you, but um, there were hearings on the 9th uh, about Dolce Vita, the uh, recordings. Um, that was Dan's birthday. This was back on October 9th. Then uh, three days later on Ruth Martell's birthday, shout out to Ruth, by the way, who we've been come close with. Um, there was a contempt of court hearing uh, yesterday, yet another hearing. And uh, the outcome of yesterday's hearing Uh, Carl was Judge Everett issued an order denying the defendant the the, uh, defendant's motion to suppress evidence that's derived from the wiretap uh, interceptions. What does that mean in layman's terms? What does it mean for the case that's about to begin?
0: Well, that's another huge win for the prosecutors. I was very happy to see that. That was the real linchpin type uh, decision that they really wanted to get. It wasn't as important as the Dolce Vita opinion. My in my uh. Opinion, but I think that the uh, the key to that was there's a lot of conversation going on there between Harvey and his mom. There's also conversations between, uh, excuse me, uh, Charlie and his his mom, and there's also conversations between Charlie and uh, Katie. You also hear more of the details about the uh, the bump that occurred right after the bump where Donna was uh, bumped by an undercover FBI agent, and that set them scrambling. They were scrambling to figure out who was demanding five thousand dollars and uh they had uh, the brilliant move of recording their uh phones. The only phones I believe they recorded was uh that had uh pen drops on was Charlie's and also katie's and uh and Donna's I believe so but they got awesome conversations out of there, and it really sets a scene of how really diabolical they set this thing up. They also spoke in code and whatnot so um it, there's a lot of gold nuggets there. They didn't actually need it as much as I thought as a Dolce Vita. But um, the defense argued that it was stale. That was our main thrust of their defense. But the judge found the right case law and said this is uh, absolutely coming in. So the other takeaway I thought, uh, Joel, was that it was really dynamite to see this judge. We'd not seen him before this week, really, and um, how he conducts the court. And uh, what he did was really a great job, I thought, of taking control of the courtroom. Because what a lot of times what happens is defense try to, try to basically um, – get away with as much as they can. And you may have a great judge who's just not really going to call out the defense on what they're doing wrong and how they're trying to push the envelope all the time with the judge. But this is a real take charge, super jurist on on the bench there for this case. You can ask for somebody better for the prosecution, I believe. And it's not because he's going to be siding with the prosecution, but he knows what he's doing. He calls a spade a spade, but he also holds the defense to uh, the fire. And and if, if they try getting away with something, for example, the very first thing he said to, uh, Donna and Harvey's attorney was the fact that, you know, you reminded them of the ethical rules that they're, they have a duty of candor to the tribunal, which means you don't just give cases that you can argue your point and your brief. You need to actually come up with countering case law that doesn't uh, favor your position, but then you harmonize and contrast the two and that way you have credibility with the court. So she automatically, uh, didn't have credibility with the court starting off and for him to make that shot across a bow like that, that was really impressive. I think most judges probably wouldn't do that, but I think he's, he's setting the tone there for the defense and also for, um, Roshbaum, Charlie's attorney that he, he's a no nonsense kind of judge and you're not going to be trying to uh, get away with stuff in his courtroom where he, you're trying to basically pull the wool over the eyes of the uh, judge jury or uh whatnot. So I thought it was a really great outcome, to say the least.
1: And, and I'm glad to hear that because there's some concern, obviously, anytime you switch judges, going from Judge Wheeler to Judge Everett. But uh, I will take Carl's word that uh, so far he's doing a, you know, an excellent job. Um, and I guess one would expect nothing less. He's just a new face. Um, But one that people will be paying attention to Jacqueline Hitchcock. Great gravy. I thought this live was going to be at 7 p.m. I bet you Tim Jansen thinks the same thing. Good thing I checked. But we are doing two shows that could be the confusion. If you think this case is bizarre and strange, um, the Delphi murders is uh, right up there with this one. And we're going to be talking uh, to Allison and Bob Motta, Defense Diaries and Jonna Spilboer, very outspoken attorney coming up at 7 p.m. Double duty tonight. So uh brief break in between and then we'll get to uh, the Delphi murders. Um, let's take a quick look at these two because uh, the spotlight is on them right now. And uh, Julia, uh, we're looking, obviously, at uh, Donna and Harvey Adelson. That is the only photo that I think exists of Harvey on the right and the only one of Donna publicly. And they're not the best pictures. And the COE, uh, she yells at me, the chief of everything. Why can't we get clear photos? Um, That's as clear as we can get because that's all that exists. So um, they, uh, according to their defense attorney out of Miami, um, basically said that they were going to, uh, you know, take the fifth on the stand. And Georgia Kaplan said, uh-uh. And uh, they were going to be held in contempt. And as we speak, as far as we know, uh, could be over by now, but they were being interviewed today. What do you make of that kind of forcing their hand?
2: It's interesting to see this forcing of the hand, because there are many times, Charles that I've sat through, that the person who may have some kind of possible incrimination or implication, not only will they plead the fifth and not testify, they won't even come into the courtroom in front of the jury. And sometimes that shocks our viewers that someone who may seem to have a lot of information to be really important to the case, really critical to the case. And sometimes what they are claiming they might be incriminating themselves may only be a portion of their testimony and maybe something else that the prosecution can also get out of them or that they may add to the story. But if they successfully raise their Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate themselves, not to testify, then there are many times I've seen prosecutors not be able to fight it any further, to not be able to push them to take the stand. The judge will acknowledge they'll take a proffer, usually, where they will listen to what their testimony is and whether or not it's actually going to help, or more specifically, just listen to the testimony where they argue how it could be problematic for them, where they would incriminate themselves. And it's been shocking in cases where critical witnesses don't take the stand and the jury never even knows that they, did, that they pleaded the fifth, which, as a layperson watching it, it could seem like at least the jury should know that this person is taking the fifth, that they— are refusing to testify because that would add a bit to the speculation, add a bit to the scrutiny. Even if you can't use it against them, you're wondering why is that the case? So I think it's fascinating to hear that that's happening right now, that they're pushing them on it and getting more information. Uh, With the, the possibility of them taking the stand, though, is so... Big. I mean, bigger than big for everyone I know who's watching this who has been following this trial, knowing that they were silent. You did not hear anything from really an Adelson other than Wendy during the first two trials for them to possibly testify. I mean, that that moment, I will be front and center waiting for that.
1: And and Julie, I'm just curious personally, uh, why the switch from. you know, local news into court TV. Was it a jump to a chance to jump onto a national platform? Are you uh, riveted by true crime as we all are? What 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 was that deciding well, factor for?
2: Yes, you? that, but a chance to use my law degree and my journalism degree simultaneously. Mm-hmm. There's really not anything else in the country similar to court TV in the way that they marry legal journalism together. Mm-hmm. I practiced for about five years and then went to local news, investigative reporting, and then now legal correspondent. So it just has always fascinated me, not only true crime, but just being able to tell those legal stories. And now I get to tell them full time. So that's the reason. And, you know, I'm barred in Florida, and uh, that's where I reported. So this was one of those stories that just sticks with you. Very
1: nice. And we've got Vinny on the show, Vinny Politan and Julie Grant, so happy to add you, uh, as well as uh, Judge Wilcott. Uh, the Society page, Fancy has a newish picture of Harvey. Of course, Fancy does. For those who do not do not know, Fancy Fiction has been all over this with her YouTube channel Fancy with an I. Uh, shout out to Lady Law Sandra. Uh, she became a YouTube member. Thank you. Um, and to you, Carl Steinbeck, uh, I'm going to Pop this off, and uh, this is the man uh, who are waiting to, you know, go on trial next week. Um, what do you think? If you had a guess, is going on today with Don and Harvey? I, I spoke to Tim earlier, which is doubly why I'm surprised he's not here and a little concerned. Um, but you know, he told me that the FBI would be present there, and Georgia Caplin would be, as well as a couple of, uh, you know, likely interviewers from the uh, states. Uh, office uh, prosecuting this case and or local law enforcement? Who do you think's there and what do you think is going on exactly?
0: Well, for, let me start off by saying that I think this was a great move by the prosecution to basically this is a Fifth Amendment busting device, this statute that they have in Florida that allows them to pierce folks hiding behind the Fifth Amendment. So I think that is actually an unconstitutional statute, but statute similar to this we're ruled constitutional by the Supreme court. And the issue really has to do with separate sovereigns and, and whether the state immunity also extends to federal um, protection as well, which the Supreme court said it does, but it's really, I, I think a wrong decision, but in any event, it's great to see it work uh, brilliantly against the uh, Adelson's uh, who are hiding behind the fifth amendment. And they, they basically fled to South Miami after the, uh, after the uh, memorial service for um uh, for Dan Markell and they've hid behind a lawyer this whole time. So now this uh, by the statute and by the judge basically threatening them, if they weren't going to cooperate and give an interview that he was going to have them arrested and hauled up to Tallahassee and be held in contempt of court. So this is a really brave, bold move by the judge. This was really the kind of thing that you hope judges have the courage to do. And so this was a really great great, great thing to see. But the other unique dynamic of this is we, what I see going on in South Miami, what the attorneys down there, it's really bizarre. I'm not used to seeing it in uh, the States I'm licensed and, and the courts I've practiced in over the years. And that's the fact that both Harvey and Donna have the same attorney. Once again, keep in mind, originally, Daniel Rochebaum, the attorney for now, Charlie was the uh, attorney that was hired and retained by Ch- Donna and Harvey. And then uh, Charlie originally had a different attorney and then, For some reason, that relationship fizzled out, and then Charlie was hired. So as uh, Julia can, uh, I'm sure, say for Florida as well, your relationship extends to an old client. No matter if you talk to them ever again, you have a zealous duty to represent their interest always. So what that poses is a really uh, gumming up sort of the process, because now if they call Harvey and Donna, um, that's basically – Roshbaum having to cross-examine two former clients of him, one of which is an unindicted co-conspirator, and most people think they both should be in that category if not already indicted for for the murder of Dan Markell. So what we have then is um, obviously this was an issue because um, they both had to hire a new counsel. So this new counsel that Harvey and Donna hired was then representing both of them as well. So I just thought it was going to be really problematic, Joel, because. Normally, you'd want to interview these both at the same time, Harvey and Donna, but if they got the same lawyer, it really precludes them from doing that. And the ethical dilemma is like, who do you represent the best? Because they don't have the same degree of culpability in terms of the state's uh, evidence against them. So it just is really problematic, and it's sort of disappointing to see from a justice standpoint, as well as a prosecution standpoint, if I was a prosecutor on the case. And it's, it's really risky from the defense perspective. And so in any event, they're going to have to, by having just one attorney that can only go one room at a time. The other thing that I understand is that they call it an interview, but Roshbaum supposedly is going to be part of this as well. So it's more like a deposition, as I understand it. And that's the case. And they will have to do them one after the other. Uh, and the fact that he started late in the day was a little bit of a concern for me because I thought they would want to start first thing in the morning and try to get as many hours of questioning possible out of them. So, but anyway, it's... it. It, uh, do we do we say, know? What's I'm on? sorry.
1: Do we know if it's do we know if if it's virtual or if they actually had to go? To, at one point, um it was reported that it would have to go to Tallahassee. Then I saw reports that would be done virtually. Do you happen to know, Carl?
0: Well, the hearing was the only thing that was virtual. They actually had the subpoena was to report to the FBI headquarters down in Miramar, Florida. Miramar, so okay. they physically had to go there. They're not going to do an interview over over the uh, Skype like that. The FBI. Okay, would not so that.
1: So that's probably where they are in Sunrise, Florida. And by the way, uh, the Adelson's attorney is a woman named Maricel Descalzo from Miami. Are you, uh, Julia, are you surprised that uh, both Harvey and Donna uh, have the same counsel, um, considering what Carl just laid out? Also, Carl had mentioned this before, that since Rashbaum was their attorney, there is a strange conflict of interest. Um, Do you see anything uh, further relating to that?
2: I I don't find it strange that they thought it was a good idea to have the same attorney, just knowing how they have operated, seeming in lockstep this entire time. I think it's fascinating, the ethical dilemma that Carl raised, where um, you almost have to wonder who feels that they are the most culpable, if at all, and would they need separate attorneys because they may at some point have to point the finger at each other or have uh, differing arguments in front of a jury if it ever got to that point um attorneys yes in florida and most other places they still have that duty to their client they cannot uh, go and work for someone who has a conflict of interest without getting written consent from the parties that are involved but i think their status as husband and wife the way they've moved they probably thought This was the best idea moving forward. But in terms of what may be going on in terms of the conversation that has to be had, I mean, what makes this case so unique is just how upfront the prosecution has been from the onset that the Adelsons, they believe, are involved. And they didn't try to hide the ball on that, even when they only were charging those first three uh, to me, that's something that we sometimes don't see, probably more often than not, where the prosecution is willing to go that step to show their hand to say, This is who we really think is involved. But hey, jury, we don't have them. They're not going to be here in front of you. And even now, going forward, with even Charlie Adelson, with other members of the family not being there, if this is such a big conspiracy, there's still things that they need to do. There's still steps that haven't been done. But- They've been letting us all see their process in this from the very beginning as it's unfolding and seemingly have no fear uh, of them skipping town, which has always been a shocker to me in this case, Hmm. because they have the means, because uh, even Charlie Adelson saying in that Dolce Vita uh, recording that if he thought they could come after him, he'd be on a plane. Tells you that he has access to planes and he could leave if he wanted to. Uh, But that's something that's really always befuddled me about this case.
1: And uh, that's a good point uh, that they have not taken off. Um, And there's uh, we'll get to that because Charlie on the Dolce Vita tapes talks about heading to the airport, which will be admissible. Uh, Sadie here says. Has anyone checked to see if Bullet Burb and that, of course, is what Wendy uh, had the day of the murders, was specifically requested on the stock, the bar party invitation? I have absolutely no idea, to be honest. Julia, any chance you know uh, this fine detail? No,
2: I, f- <laughs>
1: I figured not. But you know who would? I bet you fancy fiction would. We'll have to. Defer to her, but look at this from Lady Losandra, huge fan, a big inspiration, Julia Janae. Thank you. So, uh, the Julia Janae, uh, thanks,
2: Lady Losandra.
1: <laughs> get the fan club out here. Um, so, Carl, I'm a little slow on the uptake, and I think I I um, brought this up last time. If you can sort of explain a little more clearly, I I just do not understand. You know, they can invoke this Fifth Amendment right essentially. Uh, Judge Everett said, uh uh-uh, uh, and forced their hand here. Uh, if you could just explain that law a little bit better for people like me who don't fully understand it. Um, but the thing to point out here is that Wendy and her parents, both Don and Harvey, they left for Miami after Dan Markell's memorial back in 2014 uh, over the summer. And they never met, Don and Harvey never met with investigators as they had promised. So that is. Sort of the scene setter there, but again, Carl, how um, how exactly are they being, for lack of a better term, forced into speaking here?
0: Well, it's a statute that's been on the books for many years. I think going back to the seventies there in Florida, and it basically says that if you're subpoenaed by the state, you're conferred immunity both for the use and, and testimonial aspects of of what you have to say to the to the um, prosecutor, or if it's in front of a jury or judge, whoever you have to be subpoenaed in front of that is basically uh, protected in let's say a bubble like environment and it cannot be used against you in and of itself. So let's say if Harvey admitted that he was part of the planning and he helped uh, shape the plan there the two weeks before Dan was murdered and that all the rest of the family was in on it, except their, um, of course, their son up in the New York area, but um, all the other Adelsons were in on it. Um, everything like that that he says against himself and puts weight on himself could not be used in a subsequent trial against uh, Harvey for murder. So what that does is basically, though, f- it, it rips off the Fifth Amendment protection so you can find out exactly what happened among the co-conspirators. I've seen this. This has been used seldomly. We have rules on the books in the military. The commanding general that's uh, appointed the court-martial, for example, can order folks to testify and testify truthfully, otherwise they can be prosecuted for perjury. So it's very similar to what they have in Florida on the statute there. It doesn't require any special uh, invoking by a judge or special determination by a judge. The mere fact that you're subpoenaed as a witness by the state, it confers that type of protection for you. So what it does is basically it prevents folks from being able to say, I don't want to talk about my involvement or I have nothing to say, it's going to incriminate me. So as long as they don't lie, um, there's nothing they can use to prosecute them for that. And they cannot use the m- information that they got. Mm-hmm. Like if Charlie gives details about, or excuse me, if Harvey gave d- details about, you know, where maybe, um, some other evidence was that's incriminated against the other folks, they couldn't use that against Charlie, uh, Harvey, but they could use it against the other parties as well. So it's a real good, uh, tool to bust up conspiracies from what I see. So um, you know, the real, the real dilemma is gonna be it's like, what do they say and how do they keep their story straight if you're if you're talking about Harvey and Donna, because they haven't been able to be uh, questioned for so long. And all of a sudden this is forced upon them. And I, I think a lot of defense attorneys are pretty surprised at this kind of outcome that you can be forced to testify like this. I I thought there'd be some way they could gum it up and, and also on constitutional grounds. But lo and behold, um, you know, that there's this uh, Supreme Court case that uh, drove her truck right through it. And so it's really, it's really, um, you know, going to be a great weapon, uh, against Adelson's if nothing, just to really shake them up. And this could be a good tool to also, um, find out maybe what Charlie's defense would be. If I was there doing the questioning, I'd be finding out everything about conversations going on between all the Adelson's, uh, stemming from before, during, and after the, the murder went down. Uh, as well as the many years subsequent on, Hey, what's Charlie doing? Uh, what, what's he telling you about his defense? Cause you know, they're talking all the time. I mean, Charlie pretty much talks to his mom every single day and granted, they're probably not talking much about, the, their defense strategies and whatnot, but stuff is being leaked between the attorneys and whatnot. So that's how I try to find out more about what, what, what they plan on using for a defense.
1: That's one of the few things that Charlie and I have in common. I'm a mama's boy. So he talked to my mom too much. Um, LJ says love Carl and uh Carl that is no small compliment cuz LJ was going after Tim and John Singer very hard but she appears or he I don't know I'm assuming I don't know why that it's a female so uh whoever it is likes you but it's tough to tell with those two initials um so Julia to you um is it possible I was just thinking about this when Carl uh was speaking you know they they can't sit there and invoke their fifth amendment but is it possible they're just giving very short answers to investigators, uh, things along the lines of, I don't remember. I don't recall that. You think that's what's going on?
2: I would imagine so. I would imagine they're doing everything they can to keep the wall of silence that they have been putting forth this entire time. This also seems to be like a second bump, right? The, The time that they wanted to kind of shake them up and get them talking about it again. And now they're throwing them into a situation where they have to talk about it again. And I wonder in this family if it's kind of been a rule, unspoken or not, that they don't mention it, that what's done is done, the allegations against them anyways, and that they don't don't speak much because it it seemed just natural to Charlie, at least Harvey as well, that they almost speak in that code that you mentioned in the conversations with each other conversations at the restaurant it's as if they are prepared for someone coming and listening to them so they had to have known that someday they would have to talk to someone I mean I know they've had their attorneys that have been protecting them thus far and they've been able to avoid speaking with officers but I wonder if they've taken the time to get their story straight or if they were so nervous about um Even being heard, you know, someone having a microphone, because there's not really a reason why anyone would have been, um, they they weren't around any devices at the Dolce Vita restaurant. But Charlie was still very cognizant that there was a possibility, it seems, in the way that he's speaking. Um, So it, it just, to me, seems that they would be constantly on alert and maybe haven't spent a lot of time going over their stories and what they would tell to police. But to answer your question, I'm sure there's a lot of, I don't remember, I don't know, I'm not familiar. Um, Wouldn't be anything really precluding them, uh, to my knowledge, from doing exactly what most people do on the stand or in a deposition or an interrogation when they don't want to incriminate themselves.
1: It'd be amazing to be a fly on the wall. KCL, Sunrise, Florida, I heard they might be meeting in Miramar, you're keeping us honest. I just looked it up right here. It is, uh, in fact, uh, the FBI building is in Miramar. It's funny you bring that up because Sunrise and Miramar are basically, for all intents and purposes, almost the same exact place, very near each other. But it is, in fact, uh, in Miramar. Look at this, Carl, from LJ. Tim is ducking me because he owes me a dinner. He was wrong, and I was right about the phony Fifth Amendment issue. The senior Adelscums, Adelsons, failed to succeed on. Uh, so there you go. Um, Bonnie Lee Lopez here coming in. Shouldn't Donna be getting a pretty damn good defense attorney instead of sharing the same one, uh, being she's a co conspirator? Uh, Let like Carl weigh in on that. But, Carl, um, so as I said before, for nine years, uh, Donna and Harvey have maintained their silence. Um, but after both the defense and the state uh, listed them as witnesses, uh, the state pursued uh, this effort, obviously, to hear their account. Um, and it's a process that confers community, uh, I'm sorry, immunity for anything that they would say. Um, this is the quote from Georgia Kappelman after she found out um, they were going to take the fifth. She says it's the state's position that these subpoenas, like all state subpoenas, confer use and derivative use immunity in accordance with statutes. The state has a right to uh, to know what, if anything, these witnesses will offer at trial. Uh, when she found out they were taking the fifth, she then says, I don't think it's going to be necessary to convene tomorrow. So a couple weeks back for the purposes of your clients invoking the fifth, as I think your representation of their intentions are sufficient. That's how we got to where we are today. Um, what sorts of things do you think um, Georgia would be asking if she's in fact asking the questions here.
0: You're asking me, yes, sir. Okay. Um, well, I think one of the things uh, I agree with Julia that I mean they're just going to be trying to say I don't remember that's a long time ago I don't know I can't recall let me think about it and just sort of uh, just dra- trying to drag it out and, and claim ignorance but but I think the prosecutor will be ready to to pounce on them with specific details like the emails that uh, Donna sent to Wendy, the thing about uh, making the kids become Hitler youth and uh, saying that they're converted to uh, Catholicism and stuff like that. Those kind of hateful, um, evil remarks are going are to be um, something that she's not going to be able to sit there and say, I don't remember that because they're going to show her the documents. So I, I think to, uh, to some extent, they'll get some good information like that. And, and they'll probably call her for that kind of purpose to show – uh, what kind of hatred she has against Dan Markell, and I think that's something that's really missed by a lot of trial attorneys. Is is when somebody's lying and they have especially motive. So many cases that I've worked, either as a prosecutor, defense counsel, motive is like a huge, huge uh, um, ability uh, or a factor in, in being able to win a case because that's normally what spurs the crime to happen, or if somebody is going to f- set somebody up as under a false accusation of a serious heinous crime you know their motive is normally the main thing that breaks the back of the case for the prosecutor so and it's, it's what defense counsel really make their um living on them, is basically cross-examination of witnesses exposing their motives. so um i i think that um you know they're they're going to be um trying to deflect as much as they can sort of like wendy did on the witness stand But I I think just the mere fact that they're going to try to pin them down on any any little thing and everything, and if they ever do get charged, keep in mind that they can't say anything contradictory to this. So if they try getting on the stand, let's say when Donna's uh, indicted and facing her own jury trial, she can't get on the stand and then all of a sudden claim to have memory, right? So this is really a good uh, vice grip type of situation for the prosecutors to pin them down, get their stories locked in now, and then, uh, then when you charge them later, they're they're caught. They can't they can't then suddenly come up with all these details to defend themselves. So that's that's another great tool that this has in, in uh, doing this uh, interview for them.
1: Hmm. Uh, Cliff Frankenberger with a question for Carl that I'm going to toss to Julia here. Uh, why did the prosecution, Julia, wait so long before issuing this investigative subpoena? Seems that they should have been uh, it should have been done long ago. Uh, your take.
2: Well, I want to hear Carl's take as well on this, but I will say that is a great question, especially that second part. I couldn't agree more. Like this has taken so long. That's the underscore of this entire trial. Everything is taking so long, especially when it comes to the Adelson's. Uh, I would say it's similar to the reason that they weren't able to charge Charlie Adelson. They had to have the right kind of information in order to get to probable cause. And even with an investigative subpoena, you can't just force someone who says they're claiming their right against self-incrimination to talk. Um, You can get documents. You can take a closer look at certain things. You can try and sit down with people. But um, Carl can correct me if I'm wrong. It's not something that's going to trump the Fifth Amendment until the way that it has been done now. Carl, you want to add on to that?
0: Well, I think that um, I, I don't know why they waited this long to do that. It's it's, it's frustrating with a lot of things that waited, been taken so long with the prosecution. But I applaud them for finally having the courage to do this. And I think the um, powerful judge that would they have on the bench now in this case is going to encourage them to be more bold, to do the right thing, to get justice for the Markels. And so I think that you, you might see... Um, you know, maybe soon after their, um, their question that maybe they'll go ahead and arrest both of them. So, uh and, and Wendy as well. So I, th- I think that's been the real outrage. And I think part of it is shows like Survivor, like you, Joel, beating the drum, putting pressure out there and people going, what is it? I mean, this is so these, these three uh, folks that are already convicted, they didn't come up with this on their own to, to kill Dan Markell. It, the plan originated out of Miami and who hated Dan Markell enough to kill him. It's very evident. And so you have the evidence there. You just got to have the uh, courage and strength and tenacity go after and do justice. Yeah,
1: by the way, we're going to get Carl involved with the Ellen Greenberg case because he's a brilliant mind and got to get justice for Ellen Greenberg. And Julia, I don't know if you're familiar with that case, Uh, 2011. uh, This woman in the suburbs of Philadelphia, she was a school teacher, found dead. 20 stab wounds, 10 to the front, 10 to the back two were post-mortem uh they ruled it a homicide and then uh the fiance there uh his uncle is a very powerful judge and ultimately they switched the ruling to a suicide even though the two stabbings came after she already died so i'm happy to uh put you in touch with the uh, powers that be if you would like to pursue that story uh no egos here we're trying to uh get a rising tide, as Steve Cohen says, to lift all ships and get justice for Ellen Greenberg. So I would love to talk to you about that uh, after the show. Uh, Carl, back to you here. Um, What are the chances of arresting Don and Harvey after this interview? I know you've gone at it with Tim um, about both they uh, and uh, Wendy as well. But is there a chance that something could be said that's incriminating enough
0: where they have the means to arrest them? Yeah, I, I think there's other information that we don't know about that they have that they they uh, believe they have enough to go after at a minimum Donna and Wendy, and so this could be just another icing on the cake. They're trying to get them locked down because they could also be called to testify maybe for in Wendy's defense and uh, and potentially Charlie's. But if you notice what uh, what happened was as soon as the uh, judge ordered that they need, they need to appear in court or they're going to be arrested. Or they need to prepare for the deposition and then court, or they're going to be arrested um, and then hauled in um, in handcuffs, basically uh, up to Tallahassee. So what what that shows is that they're really being aggressive, and maybe they're going to they're going to use this to then go ahead and charge them as well. So I think it's a, because it's such a, a bold move. I've said this before, actually, um, before this came out, that they were they. Why didn't they go ahead and call? Don and Harvey at the tri- the other two trials they had KD one and KD two trial why didn't they go ahead and do that but they actually had already subpoenaed them uh, to show up in Miramar so they actually were already doing that so why they waited so long I don't know but I'm just I just applaud them for finally doing that and I think maybe it's that they realize that you know what we need to go and do the right thing and, and charge uh, the other Adelsons as well and, and get justice which uh, which is really why so many people are following this case because it's just so bizarre how this thing has been strung along how defense counsel have been able to get over on the prosecution and um and and this judge isn't going to let that happen and i think they've got enough lessons learned in the prosecution's office and i think it's really been political as well i i I do think that wealthy people that are connected politicians they're not going to be treated the same way as is the uh the average joe citizen in the um in whatever community across America, if you're not politically connected, you're not going to be tr- treated the same way. You have the same burden of proof and whatnot, but you're just not going to get the same representation. And in this case, I think the rep- the uh, private attorney representation has actually worked to, uh, in-, in the end, I think it's going to work to, uh, in in essence, not get them a better deal and outcome because look at. Um, what happened with Katie? If she would have cooperated, there was some overwhelming evidence against her. If she would have cooperated from day one, she had been home with her kids years ago. Instead, she uh, she was able to uh, you know just maintain this uh, story that she was innocent. And this was all uh, Charlie's doing, and uh, it, it all came crashing down. And so it's uh, it was just nothing but a waste of time. And uh, I, I think she got it's it's really a, a ca- textbook example of how how lawyers getting involved in the case can really muck stuff up. And as yeah, you know, uh, she, she was able to walk out of jail. Now she's facing life without parole. Well, if she wouldn't have had attorney, she probably would have, you know, um, been out by now. So you, you need to really, uh, study this case and, and, and you really just shake your head and, and wonder what the heck is going on down there in South Tallahassee with these lawyers.
1: Yeah. And you, the same exact stuff could be said of the Ellen Greenberg case in terms of, uh, people, positions of power. So, uh, that's why people become journalists, give voice to the voiceless and hold those in power accountable. And hopefully we can uh, help do that. And hopefully we can get uh, Julia involved with Court TV. Um, question here. Can the Adelson's, Julia, still uh, invoke their right not to incriminate their spouse? That's sort of an interesting question um, in this interview.
2: That, that is an interesting question. I, I'm wondering if they mean spousal privilege. and yeah, I think or so. not think um, the communications between these spouses that were in confidence, whether the court the prosecution can force them to disclose it. Uh, there is that privilege. There are some exceptions. Uh, so it will be interesting to see if that's part of what they are arguing. But I bet most of the FBI conversations uh, or interview is more focused on what they know, not necessarily just their communication between each other they want to know about accounts they want to know about what was paid and to whom and what they knew about what charlie allegedly did and their connection to Catherine McBanawa, who has been convicted uh, but there may be some protections for any pillow talk between donna and harvey and,
1: and julia what what is um You know, what has been the response as far as Court TV goes? Is there a hunger and an appetite for more um, Dan Markell um, content?
2: There's enduring interest in this case. And we covered both of the other trials. We were there from the beginning to the end of those. uh, And there was this question of what will happen with the Adelson's. From the very beginning, and I applaud the prosecution in that regard that they didn't keep everyone in suspense about that, which, of course, they they needed to explain that, because how do you have two hitmen drive all the way from South Florida to Tallahassee and then leave for someone that they have no connection to? So I get why they had to do it. But there have been cases that we followed where you wonder what the connection is and why we haven't heard more about what this seemingly random killing uh, really meant. And then down the line, they get more evidence and they're able to charge more people. Uh, But the uh, response has been enormous in this case, and it continues. There's just that unsettledness when you see, even though there have been multiple people who are behind bars for Dan Markell's murder, the actual trigger person people uh, are behind bars, but, People don't like a story where those, especially those who seem to have power, those who seem to have means, they don't like them to go without any consequences, especially with the those who agree with the prosecution, that they were very heavily involved in this, that it wasn't just something that was a shock, not something Catherine McVennolly did on her own, and not even something that just Charlie decided to do, but that this was a, a family decision There are lots of continuing questions and a lot of anticipation for what's going to happen with jury selection, even, you know, how how long is it going to take for them to pick a jury in this case when it has been in the media so much when there have. How long do
1: you think, Julia? How long do you think it will take? Tim Jansen, who's, you know, obviously based in Tallahassee. We don't know where he is and I hope he's okay. Uh, He seems to think it's going to be done in a matter of two or three days, if not less.
2: Hmm. I would venture to guess a week, mm-hmm. um, but if they if the judge, which some Florida judges don't mind going very late, if they're going till 8 p.m. Uh, every day and, and the judge is being really strict about those who have been exposed to media coverage. Some judges are a lot more lenient when it comes to media coverage. They accept that everyone has likely seen the story, so it's less about whether or not you've been exposed and even exposed to a lot and more about, do you feel that you can be fair? Will that make it impossible for you to sit and listen to the evidence in this case? So uh, it's going to really be the drumbeat of what her, his honor uh, does in this case. But um, yeah, I'm, my guess is about a week.
1: By the way, special shout out to uh, Michelle Pretorius who watches us in South Africa. She said she just had a little baby girl and uh listening to some true crime uh i guess uh in the early morning hours there to try to uh i don't know soothe her baby probably not the best stuff to listen to uh but who knows uh bonnie lee lopez question for best guest uh carl steinbeck will the chaz man, charlie adelson testify i can tell you i spoke to a source uh today who believes that uh Charlie Adelson will testify. Uh, what say you before you answer that? Look at this from KCL. Love Carl's input on this Adelson case. Very interesting legal perspective that is hope filled about this case. I hope the prosecutors are watching. I can tell you we've had Georgia on the show. Uh, I don't know that she watches every episode, but I think she does watch a lot. and Probably took some tips from Carl's 100 Reasons to Indict Wendy Adelson, which we're still not through yet, but we'll get back to uh, now that we've got the trial. But what about uh, Charlie testifying here? Uh, Do you think it's a uh, legitimate possibility?
0: Well, I was wondering all along, as this uh, months after months were uh, pending, and we're waiting to get a trial day going, and we're waiting to see the list of witnesses. There's really no defense that I can gather from uh, the witness list, other than the fact they're going to try to uh, poke some holes in the government's theory. Um, they'll probably say that uh, the the ones that are admitting guilt to this murder, they were the ones that did it on their own. And, um, and then they probably came back to point a uh, finger at uh, Adelson's and extort money or something r- ridiculous like that. So uh, they, 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 they don't have anything credible that's going to fly with the jury to get him acquitted. So, Charlie's going to have to pretty much be the one up there explaining how he got framed, in other words, and uh, it's just not going to be credible. He's not going to do well. And um, so I think that uh, they got nothing else to go on. I mean, if you look at the witness list, most of the folks are folks that are on the uh, prosecution list. And and most of those are law enforcement types other than a lawyer and a distant cousin of uh, Charlie's and his mom and dad they they got no other case and then you got your mom and dad who by the way um I noticed and if you look at the email string from um Maricel, the attorney for, now for Donna and Harvey she said that that uh, Roshbaum has not even talked to her about those clients uh, her clients testifying so Roshbaum put them on a list without even talking to their lawyers so I thought that was really shocking and then he, if you notice at that hearing once he realized they're they're forced to testify, then he tried to backpedal and get them off their witness list, and then tried to tell the judge, "Well, the prosecutor isn't going to call him." And he he was basically trying to like bury this whole issue about Don and Harvey uh, being forced to testify at the uh, deposition. So I I thought it was really uh, it just revealed the lack of preparation and. Uh, um, just, just really, really, I think, is going to put the onus on Charlie then to try to talk his way out of it. And he's going to do a terrible job. And then basically the attorney can uh, always come back on Charlie and say, well, Charlie, you're the one that sunk yourself. They didn't believe you. You're the main reason that you lost the case. So I think it provides a top cover for the defense counsel that way. And if you also stop to think about it, Joel, from what has been reported, there's been only two depositions, that of the neighbor who first called 911 and Amy Adler, so this case is dragged on a year and a half. there's only two depositions now granted there's a lot of depositions to be able to uh read from from the other trials, and so maybe that's a defense strategy and it and it, it would be a legitimate one at that but I, I just think that uh it really uh it really just goes to show that there's not going to be much of a credible defense that Charlie can put forth mm.
1: by the way, Steve Cohen, otherwise known as Meve Moen, and I have uh booked our rooms. We will be in tallahassee um October 29th. That's a Sunday evening. We'll do live starting Monday, uh, Tuesday, and I believe Wednesday uh, live from Tim Jansen's office, assuming uh, he can still let us in, even though we don't know where he is, uh, which is right next to the courthouse. So we will be doing live uh, shows. And hopefully if Julie is there covering it, we'll get her on and uh, other people who are in uh, in the middle of it. Um, James Wagner here. Will the matriarch Donna of this conspiracy be pinched before the charlie trial gets underway so julia you're kind of walking into a hornet's nest because tim jansen john singer they're both uh kind of of the mindset that none of the other adelsons are going to be indicted here carl has been uh staunchly uh uh sort of saying the opposite that he believes they will all eventually go down like dominoes what do you think
2: I think there's a chance. I don't think it's going to happen before the trial gets underway. I <laughs> definitely don't think we're going to see that headline. That will that would be a pretty amazing thing. But I would agree that the way the prosecution has continued to beat the drum in this case, the way investigators have been very careful, methodical, and not willing to give up. You know, I hope that every case uh, has the the... Longevity of the way that this case and investigation has gone out, especially when it's a cold case. But this is a great example of not only investigators not stopping to find someone, prosecutors figuring out how to take the evidence they have, enhance it, make it better, and do what they can to get the charges if they believe there was involvement. Though I would say just thinking about the probable cause affidavit um, for the first three it, they don't have a lot when it comes to Harvey and Donna. They put a lot in there about Charlie, but not as much about Harvey and Donna's involvement. So I'd say if anyone it's going to be Harvey because of payments made and Donna would be the least likely, but I don't think prosecutors are going to give up. I think they're going to keep pushing and you know what we hear from Kat- Katie McBanola on the stand could change things.
1: Um agree with that. Andy School, before I back out, Charlie's restaurant behavior showed huge consciousness of guilt to me. Carl, um, let you weigh right. back in on that. We know now the Dolce Vita tapes are in. They're in, uh, but transcripts, the enhanced version is in, um, but transcripts are out. Um, I, again, don't fully understand why one would be in and the other out. If you want to explore or explain that a little yeah, bit more, Carl. I-
0: yeah, I'm glad the judge excluded the transcripts because that's one person's opinion of what was said. And if they get it wrong, you could be creating a reversible error if it misled mm-hmm. the jury. So I, I think it's, I would never want to do that as a prosecutor. Let the evidence speak for itself. You don't have to have somebody else interpreting it and transcribing it based on what they think happened. And so um, the jury can have the devices back in the jury room to list it as many times as they want. The Dolce Vita tape, the enhanced version. So, getting the enhanced version in—I mean, that is golden for the prosecution. That's the—that's uh, the smoking gun uh, of this case, where there's no way Charlie could ever talk his way out of that. All the talks about—you uh, know—we got to find out who this guy is. He's totally scared and panicky. We—we—we got to kill this guy. If you don't, I will. We—you know—the talk about fleeing the the uh, the country um, and that kind of talk is only somebody that's a part a guilty party. So. Jerry's going to see right through that and um so whatever whatever um stuff he tries to throw against the wall and try to have it stick and 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 try to have Rashma Margate's credible, it's just, it's going to just crumble and fall off the wall and and uh, all the prosecutor has to do is just play this tape and and uh, it's game over for Charlie.
1: Hmm. Uh the Skeeter girl, you heard that everyone. Carl saying uh it's game over. Uh, This one we'll toss to Julia. No doubt that the Adelsons are keeping the boys away from the Markel family because of what they may have overheard over the years since the murder. We know they've changed their names. We've had Ruth on the show many times, uh, obviously thinking of her uh, as his trial is impending. Um, But do you think there's any veracity to this statement, Julia?
2: That's the gut punch right there. We can talk all day about these players, talk about the defendants, talk about who's behind bars and Dan Merkel's death. But the center of this are those boys. Mm -hmm. And what must life be like where they're old enough now, I would imagine, to have access to things, for people to search things on the Internet, friends to tell them these details. And eventually they're going to be old enough to make their own decision but there may be things that they can't reconcile the life that they have lived with really the family that they know because of this tragedy. Um, Whether or not they've overheard things that would be able to be used in a court of law, I I think would be a a stretch because it seems like this family is pretty careful. Uh, It seems like they would have done what they could to, Protect. I mean, it seems to me that they even protected Wendy from uh, knowing the ins and outs of what was happening. Just based on her first interview with police, it doesn't seem like she was very much in the loop on anything. Uh, So I would think they would have even more care when it comes to those boys and not letting them hear anything. They probably don't even, you know, unfortunately mention that incident mentioned the dad, but that's just my opinion, um, that they may have taken that approach to raising them. And as you mentioned with the name change, it seems that they're just trying to really erase that side. So I, I don't think they've heard things over the years that could be beneficial.
1: And they're, uh, they're smart boys. I know people that know the family down here, um, and they're going to eventually, if they're not already get curious and, uh, probably refer to Google one day and it's a very sad situation, but, uh, hopefully uh you know one day they understand fully what happened and they can cope with it but it's something that's going to plague them obviously for a very long time to come um lj is back here uh with a prediction carl in my opinion trash bum by the way uh i have not met daniel rashbaum everyone says he's a very nice guy good guy he's got a difficult job but by all accounts everyone says he is a stand-up guy uh just doing his job here but uh lj nevertheless says he's cornered and he's now going to try and delay uh with a clock going tick tock that's the app right there um do you think there's any chance he does try to delay being that the trial uh, begins next week and would he have any success in doing that
0: i don't i don't see that being a possibility unless he gets some kind of a proffer in from Charlie and how he can uh testify against Wendy. And because of the conflict between uh Harvey and Donna and uh that he has with Charlie also, he cannot have Charlie flip on mom and dad at all. So basically he'd have to get full immunity from mom and dad for for um, for Roshbaum to even stay on the case. So that's the other thing. I mean, potentially, if Charlie says, well, I want to testify against all of the rest of them because they're not helping me, they're not sticking their neck out to help me, then Roshbaum would have, basically have to withdraw. So that would be, that would be the, I think, the most likely way there would be a delay, unless there was some kind of medical emergency or, or whatnot. But, but if you notice the last hearing, Roshbaum was really panicky. And I, and I sensed his panic because he knew he's sort of like caught in this uh, dilemma because he's got three clients he's trying to protect. And it's sort of all unraveling in front of his face. And, and you got a, a tough as nails judge that's not going to let you play any games. So um, I, I think he's this would be like maybe a prime time that he's going to talk to Charlie about you sure you don't want to, you know, me to cut a deal for you? Because, uh, I mean, they're reeling from these losses, these, these uh, judicial rulings uh, on any kind of defense uh, strategy to try to keep this stuff out. It's, it's all the all the damaging stuff is coming in. And, and it's just going to be really ugly against Charlie. So, I mean, if, he, if he's not willing to cut a deal now, I'd say the window's going to pretty much close pretty fast. And um, and they're just going to go ahead, go to trial, and get him his life without parole. And uh, if he does the same testimony like Katie does and lie his way through it, they're probably, uh, you know, not going to let him get away with uh, um, trying to then come clean and put weight on other Adelson's. But, uh, you, but you never know. I, I do think that... Uh, the, uh, the other, some others will be arrested really shortly, if not before the trial, during the trial. That's my hope and belief. And so I, I don't think it's going to be after the trial where Donna and uh, likely Wendy get arrested. So it's just going to be very exciting to see what, what these uh, next weeks hold. By
1: the way, uh, the society page, I'm not pulling it up because I want to get to this comment says Donna will be arrested soon. Uh, echoing what uh, Carl just said. Rebecca Martin, for you, Julia. I was getting nervous, a new guest. Julia, if you have to go, please do not feel obligated, but we're probably going to go another 15 minutes or so. Obviously, want to have you, but uh, you never know if Meve Moen gives you that uh, heads up before you guys get into the uh, lion's den here. Uh, Rebecca Martin. Uh, what are the chances that Sigfredo Garcia, of course, he's the trigger man, uh, that he testifies in this case? Uh, he's on the list. Do you think he gets up there and is uh, asked questions?
2: Mm, what are the chances? I don't think they're very high of him testifying unless there's something that he wants from. Uh, he's probably got some uh, appeal pending Um luis that they could be the better chance of them getting on the stand knowing what he's going to say and knowing that it's going to help them and be right in line with what they want but there's always the possibility and
1: uh, of course luis rivera is uh, the member of the latin kings gang who lives not far from where i am right now lived uh, who did cop a deal and by the way uh one of the craziest parts of this whole saga is what carl was talking about earlier that Katie McBanowa had a had an out and didn't take it, which is just inexplicable to pretty much everyone. And it appears she's going to be spending uh, the rest of her life uh, behind bars. By the way, L. Anderson here just happened to catch this comment. Gigi, my friend Gigi McKelvey of Pretty Lies and Alibis, doing a deep dive on Ellen Greenberg, just underscores how corrupt and incompetent the system is in Philly. Uh, Please support Gigi. Um, as she goes down that rabbit hole, uh, which is a deep one with the Greenbergs. A um, few more things I want to get to, Carl. One of them is uh, that line, gone to the airport. It is it is admissible. Uh, the enhancement is admissible, including those first 30 seconds where Charlie makes an incriminating statement, which is, and I quote here, if they had any evidence, we would have already gone to the airport. Um, that is going to be allowed uh, into evidence. Jurors are going to hear that. Is that going to be enough? Just that one line, if they had any evidence, we would have already gone to the airport. Is that enough to sway those 12 jurors to convict this guy?
0: Well, that's a standalone piece of evidence. If that's all he admitted, then I would say no, but that's his icing on the cake. Uh, they don't need that statement, but uh, innocent people don't want to flee the country. He had to think about it. He was making hundreds of thousands of dollars in his uh, dental practice and uh, to just up and leave that because you're falsely accused. That makes no sense. So juries really think that is a uh, very damning evidence against an accused. And then you combine that with the other stuff about actually wanting to kill that uh, undercover FBI agent who they thought was just a brother of, uh, of one of the hitmen. So that, that right there, the fact that he's willing to uh, to kill others besides just Dan Markell to try to cover up their tracks that, I think, is the biggest damning piece of evidence against him.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonnie Lee Lopez, Julia, for you, want to know if Katie is going to
2: testify. What do you think? Yes, she <laughs> will testify. What I want to know is what she gets for testifying. Uh, but uh, she's on the witness list to testify. She's been transferred to the Leon County Jail, which jail is where you stay when you are either not yet convicted, which we know she is, or you are there for some court uh, business, and the court business that she will likely be taking the stand for the prosecution, and no doubt telling a completely different story than what she told on the stand the first two times, which could be a reason that Charlie Adelson won't be scared to get up there and tell his own story because his attorney is going to rip her to shreds with her prior testimony where she said she had no involvement she had no idea and if you have no involvement and you have no idea then you can't point the finger then to your boyfriend to say that you connected him to the hitman Uh, so i think that's going to be a challenge and he may come off to a jury who is not familiar with the entire uh backstory that He's the one who is being unfairly targeted. His defense may be something that we heard maybe naively from Wendy when she first talked to police, where she said maybe someone did this thinking they were doing us a favor. And he may say, look, she liked me. She wanted to impress me. She knew she was getting all of these things from me and wanted me to do more and thought if this should happen, that I would love her more or give her more. Um, and that uh, this was not in any way what I wanted. I made bad jokes, and someone took those jokes too seriously. Meaning, uh, specifically referencing his joke to his sister about "I got you a a TV because that was cheaper than getting a hitman." Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Kia Bawa, we all, we know that because of immunity, whatever they say, meaning Donna and Harvey, uh, Carl, cannot be used against them if on trial. Now, what on earth can be used against them then if the state has no other information? How do you respond to this?
0: Well, but the state does have other information. So they have evidence that Donna was, you know, part of these wiretaps. She also said that, uh, you know, when Charlie was saying who was the person that did the bump in essence. Uh, she was, they're trying to talk in code because they thought there might be, um, government agents listening in, which in case indeed was the case. Um, but yet Charlie kept on pressing his mom and and Donna winds up saying that, yeah, this is about you and me. And so, um, definitely there's, there's a lot of information that Donna was really a a motivating factor in, in getting the conspiracy up and, and, um, and she was trying to avoid having to go up to Tallahassee to see her her sunshines, as she called her grandchildren. So, so there's a lot of motives for all, of, all the Adelsons to be a part of this. And if you look at the family dynamics, um, that's maybe why they're calling the, the son uh, Rob to talk about how um, just everything is sort of a family affair on something like this, including who you pick as a mate and how you eliminate a mate. So I think that's uh, that could be very uh, revealing as well. And I also would like to add that uh, another key piece of evidence uh, was revealed in the last uh, five days, I believe, by Fancy Fiction. And that is part of the uh, the recording that um, Katie had with a defense lawyer there in Miami named Jim Lewis. And he was uh, Sigfredo's attorney. And there they are talking and he's saying how basically he's been conferring with Charlie's attorney. And they're all rem- agreeing to remain silent. So, I mean, it just, it just shows from the get-go the attorneys, you know, had had some real suspicions and he's telling basically Katie, just sit tight. Don't talk. And, uh, you know, if the law enforcement come to you, they're going to basically be there to arrest you. So, uh, no one was there to really say, Hey, come on, come on, Katie, let's, let's find out what you, what you know about the case, because obviously they're really going to want to go behind who are the ones really wanting Dan killed. If it wasn't for the, for the Adelsons, obviously Katie, um, would have no interest in seeing, uh, Dan Markell murdered like that. So, um, it just, It just was really disappointing to hear that conversation.
1: Uh, Don DeQuisto, if I'm saying correctly, uh, I agree. Carl's hope is what we all need right now. I dreamt of the defense the other night and it was brilliant, but I can't remember anything now. Uh, Totally obsessed. Uh, That won't help uh, if you can't remember. Uh, Wesley John Holmes, an Australian, as he says, coming to us from Tokyo, Uh, Julia, do you think they're going to call Rob Adelson? Of course, he's the estranged member of the Adelson family who's basically called them out. Um, And if so, what could he offer?
2: I think they will call him. I don't think they put his name on the witness list lightly. And I think he can offer if they're able to get it in with Don and Harvey not there, but the family dynamic to uh, Carl's point that this was a family that was obsessed with order and Dan Markell was the, uh, he wasn't with the program of what their family needed to be. Uh, He can talk about his own experience with the control of his mother and his father. Again, that may come in more if we see charges down the line for the rest of the Adelsons. Uh, But that influence over perhaps Wendy's life and how the entire family had to run a certain way he had a girlfriend that he was told he couldn't be with and he went and married someone of the same faith as his mother wanted and then the control continued and he ended up that relationship souring ended in a divorce and he um I understand married that same person and now the person that he originally was in love with and wanted to be with and is estranged from his family. A lot of this narrative is difficult to get that in in front of a jury when you're talking about a murder charge because you're going to have arguments that it's not relevant. But when they're trying to get in motive and whether or not Charlie Adelson would have had this very strong motive, because a lot of people go through divorces, a lot of people go through custody battles. But this extra push or motive to rid his sister of her, quote, problem that was keeping his sister out of South Florida, keeping her in Tallahassee, messing up the family dynamic that they wanted, he perhaps can get into that. I don't think it's going to be easy, and I don't think he's going to be able to really get into some of the things we've heard from him on podcasts. But uh, I do think that he can at least offer some of – in. in Side look into the family and why charlie edelson may have done what the prosecution alleges he did
1: and julia this came up earlier i didn't pull up the comment but um briefly if you could do you think there's any chance that uh charlie flips on the family uh, or at least his mother or wendy
2: i don't he's yeah. he's gone this far <laughs> I mean, he he is uh stuck to his gun stuck to his story again, hasn't left town. He's the one who's single. He's the one who doesn't have kids and would be able to go live his life out in a different country. But I think he is intensely loyal to his family, to his sister, to his parents. And they are going to see this through as much as they can. And I think he's also pretty confident and maybe confident to a fault.
1: That's my lovely mom right there. I could never be a weather person. I don't know if I would throw her under the bus. She's. 84. She would still not love it, but, uh, she might say, hey, Joel, you could throw me under the bus. You've got more years ahead. But uh, I don't think I could do that to my lovely mom. Uh, Elen Hallogram coming to us from Sweden, I believe. I always say best guest, better community. She just gifted five Surviving the Survivor memberships. Thank you. Bud Fox giving us a super sticker with no comment. Uh, thank you to Bud for doing that. I appreciate that. Uh, just one or two more things, and then we'll wrap it up, I promise. Uh, Carl Steinbeck, Jeff Lacoste's testimony. Uh, basically, uh, it is admissible, uh, but only as impeachment material. Uh, can you explain to us non-attorneys, what does that really mean?
0: Well, you can't bring it out on the, as a, a part of the main case in chief if other folks haven't talked about it. But if they call Wendy ahead of time and she denies that on that Sunday afternoon or evening, um the the week of Dan's murder, if she denies that she told uh Jeff Lacoste that um a year before, the summer before that her brother had seriously looked into hiring a hitman and the cost was either fi- fifteen or fifty thousand dollars. So she sort of blurted that out and it was a chilling statement according to uh Jeff. So they can bring that in if she denies it. I, I, was, I was a little bit surprised at that ruling by the judge because I think there's other ways to get that in, but I, I think they will be able to get it in. And uh, it goes to show, um, basically, I, I think it goes to show that there's sort of recruitment. I, I think there's, uh, there's some, uh, some good insights into the mindset of what they're trying to do to get Dan set up to maybe take part in this as well, or excuse me, Jeff as well, to, to take part in this. And so I think that um, I think that was sort of a, a, a test comment to see if he would say like, well, I, I'm here. Why don't you guys use me kind of thing? So uh, but he never he never bit on that, on those suggestions at all. And uh, they're in the middle of some other conversation. So he pretty much just, I think, moved on to something else. But and it was an expired comment. It wasn't like as an active comment to still kill him. But um, it was it was nonetheless a chilling statement. So I, th- I think that we'll be getting in some way um, through, um, through Jeff's testimony it may not be on the case in chief, but maybe in rebuttal to what, uh, Wendy said, who's also going to be called, uh, though, in the uh, government's case in chief.
1: Uh, KCL Donna wrote the checks, Julia and Harvey paid the money. So both are guilty. How much are they hammering that home, uh, in this interview today to try to get answers about that?
2: Oh, so they've got all the receipts and they are showing each and every one. I'm sure to them to ask what was their intent behind each and every transaction, every check, every time Katie McBanawha got paid from the uh, business that they own, but yet some say that she was not there, she wasn't working. um, And they are going to have to give an account whether or not they say that this was, whether they throw Charlie under the bus, I don't see that happening. So I I think it's more likely that they are just avoiding the questions and not giving any information which is the safest thing but um if they try and give an explanation that's going to be used against them if they if there's any evidence that what their responses in that interview lead to where they find that whatever they did say is actually inaccurate and it helps them find something else then um, they're going to be in a really tough spot so i think. The, their names on checks and the gifts and names on titles of cars—it's all part of the evidence. But it's the evidence the prosecution has had for a long time, and they haven't gotten to the point where they can go, where they can even indict.
1: Uh, shout out to Jersey Jen Castaldi, who also gifted a Surviving Survivor membership. Uh, Cliff Frankenberger, this will be the last question, then we'll wrap, I promise. Another question for Uncle Carl. Uh, Why didn't uh, Rashbaum push back on the state's motion? This is a little inside baseball, but Carl loves that. On the state's motion to suppress Luis Rivera's gang affiliation and mental health issues.
0: I think that's uh, something that the prosecution is... uh, I was not happy to see that because it basically sets himself up for an appellate issue that could be reversible error to, uh, to against a witness that that affiliation and his background really is not hurting him. It's not like the case they had where um Sigfredo was uh, needing to point the finger at, um at Luis Rivera. This is a case where Charlie really doesn't need to attack Luis at all. They never had any direct dealings and whatnot. So, um, for them to to block all that kind of information from coming in, he's not that material of a witness against Charlie. But you start trying to block key um, cross examine uh, areas like that. Um, I, I just I just worry that they could be creating maybe reversible error, and so maybe that's why Rush Bomb wanted to go ahead and let the state try to suppress all that because if they get blocked from doing that, that's going to be their number one issue on appeal. If I was, that's what I'd be doing if I was an appellate lawyer uh, in my state and so um that's 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 maybe uh um what he's trying to do is set this up for an appellate issue
1: Mm, a beautiful waterfall wendy will be there yes the question is will she be wearing the same dress and uh, tim jansen famously says an actor always wears the same costume which i thought was pretty deep uh went hard so huge thanks to our two best guests there were supposed to be three i hope uh with all my heart, that Tim Jansen is fine. I'm sure he is. He was supposed to join us. Of course, he is the famed Tallahassee uh, defense attorney with a firm that bears his name, Jansen & Davis. Um, he also spent five years as a federal prosecutor. No one knows that Tallahassee legal community the way he does. And uh, Julie Janae knows this case inside and out. Happy to make her acquaintance today. She is a legal correspondent and a lawyer for Court TV, where she covers some of the biggest riveting uh, trials in the nation. This, of course, uh, is one of those. She's a three-time Emmy Award recipient for investigative reports. Uh, Julia, thank you for being here. Uh, Your final thoughts as we uh, wiggle ever closer to the beginning of this trial.
2: This is going to be a case no one wants to miss. Every part of it, even the jury selection, even the motions outside of the presence of the jury, every little detail in this case is going to be so important. And I don't think we can predict what a jury is going to do with this evidence.
1: We've got Glasgow in the house. We've got uh, the Netherlands, Scotland, a truly a global audience. As I said before, Wesley John Holmes coming to us from Tokyo. Uh, He is Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel retired uncle, Carl Steinbeck, a nearly 30-year judge advocate for the U.S. Army, Judge Advocate General Corps. By the way, I'm going to embarrass uh, Carl for one second right now. So I met his brother, John, stand-up great guy at CrimeCon. And when I say stand-up, I mean literally – John Steinbeck is a big dude. He's got to be 6'3", muscles, strong guy. I was not expecting it. You know what he said to me? He goes, have you ever seen Carl in person? I said, no. He goes, Carl is bigger than I am. And he was, Carl, did you almost play college football for Nebraska on a scholarship?
0: Uh, I was recruited by them, but I went to a small college trying to come back from a knee injury, which uh, wasn't successful. I I started one one semester, though, but I had to give it up focus on academics
1: by the way the so the the uh moral of that story is don't mess with carl steinbeck he is a a beast of a man a big guy even though he is uh humble and soft-spoken uh the guy almost played football for nebraska and that was when nebraska was nebraska uh carl also hosts his youtube channel jury trial mentor with his brother as i just mentioned uh john steinbeck carl you still think other Adelsons are going to topple like dominoes. What are you looking for next?
0: I do. I think the uh, the forced testimony that's going on today, I think that's a sign that they are going to ramp up efforts to go after them, as they should. And so I think um, if they're waiting for Charlie to get his conviction out of the way and build their confidence, then so be it. But I think uh, if you if realize that this is the time uh, roughly last year, or uh, a year and a half ago, that Charlie got arrested right before Katie's trial was kicking off. So maybe maybe something's in play even the next couple of days. So, um, But rest assured, Charlie's going to be convicted. And um, and then we can see what, what the next chapter uh, unfolds from that point. But he will be convicted.
1: Just a quick reminder, we're going to be back in 32 minutes. I can't believe it. We're doing the Delphi murders with uh, Defense Diaries and Jonna Spillbore. And tomorrow night, Carm is making her triumphant return we're going to discuss suzanne and barry morphew and then thursday we've got uh, the author of wall idaho slept uh, that is 7 p.m eastern time with Jay reuben appleman and then friday as per usual 5 p.m eastern great Scott, true crime phil with phil waters america's most respected detective and the fbi scott duffy until then Love you, America. Love you, Atlanta, Georgia. Love you, Texas. Love you, Scotland, Ireland, everywhere in between. And, of
3: course, thinking of Israel tonight. Till next time. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. slash ranks.